0: Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Clappercast Film Book Club, a monthly bonus spin-off series where we delve into the twilight zone between cinema and literature. We'll discuss how novels translate into cinematic adaptation, as well as look critically at important literary works currently being adapted for cinematic treatment and theorize about what we think they should look like. I'm your host, Jakub Vasch, and today I'm happy to be joined by Alina Folds. Hello. And Kyle Krickbaum. Hello. On today's episode we will be discussing I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reid and how it relates to its cinematic adaptation that's currently available on Netflix which was directed and written for the screen by Charlie Kaufman. Now the book was released in originally in 2016 and um, I don't want to say it garnered critical acclaim. It was quite divisive, but some critics dis- described it as the boldest and most original literary thriller to appear in some time and praised its puzzle box structure and its thematic depth. And then because as a result of, of that, it was immediately picked up by Netflix with Charlie Kaufman's name almost immediately uh, attached to directing and adapted. We've all mm-hmm. read the book and we've all seen the film. So how about we all go round the table and give us our initial impressions about what we felt about the book. So how about Alina, you start us off on this.
1: Okay. So I finished the book about two weeks ago. And for the most part, I really enjoyed it. I normally don't like fiction, but it's like, now that I've graduated from university and like have time to read for pleasure, I'm like trying to like get more into it. And this one was definitely like, a bizarre one to start with i really enjoyed the bulk of the book and then it lost me around like the last 50 pages and i i wonder if like everyone anyone else like feels the same way about that i found the uh characters quite interesting i enjoyed the uh the young woman and then but there's also a lot of like character choices that they make that i just like didn't like but they like make sense in like the end once you understand like what the book is going for?
2: So this is the first book that I've read in probably about four years. So I was very curious uh, to see what I thought about it. And for the most part, I really enjoyed it. It does, it makes a couple decisions that I'm not a huge fan of, notably a framing device that they use throughout that I found to be gimmicky and a little too over expository in nature. I'm in the unique position where I watched the movie before reading the majority of the book. So I already kind of had a theory developed about what it was about. So I was surprised to find that the book actually explicitly, for the most part, states what it's about, unlike the film, which is a lot more ambiguous in nature. Uh, i liked i liked the bulk of the book i do agree that a couple problems start popping up in the last 50 pages or so maybe actually for me the last 20 pages or so get a little more i don't know how to describe it a little more incoherent and i think that's on purpose but also i have a few issues with it that i'll delve into more later
0: from from my point of view maybe it's um it probably will be interesting to start by uh, actually saying, well, maybe before even before I even start in- anything, I think we should probably state in advance that we're going to spoil the living hell out of this because there is absolutely zero way of talking about this book and the film and the language between the two without addressing the elements of the story and the narrative and the plot. Because, well, so if you haven't watched the film, if you haven't read the book, how about you stop now and go back and and, and go back when you've done one of one of the, one of those things because it's it's very likely we're going to ruin the experience because it is part of figuring out what's going on. It's part of the experience. So this is the public service announcements done. However, the story itself kind of presents itself as very, as very simple, right? It kind of, lo- but, but almost immediately kind of just lets you in that something's wrong, right? Because you can, and what it is, and it is an also important for me to know at least, the book is written by a man from, first person perspective of a woman which already kind of rings a weird bell because this is something that either is mostly not encountered because it's very difficult for 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 a writer to actually just translate naturally certain things about the opposite gender without looking fake and then exploring things in like stereotypes so almost almost immediately you kind of just are led into into thinking that okay well there is a puzzle here that I'm about the being asked to solve because certain certain details are being sort of revealed very slowly and very sort of methodic I mean I don't want to say methodically they're revealed sort of at prescribed times the woman gets phone calls from herself she gets this sort of message that uh, you know about that, that kind of is slowly revealed in its entirety over like an, I think a, over and I think a chapter there because you, you, we don't even know what the message is. In, in, so, so we are almost invited in, to think that there is a puzzle at the end and we're, and we're supposed to pay attention because the, the writer already kind of lets us know that nothing is as it seems. So it's, so it's difficult to kind of get, yourself, get, get surprised at the end because it's kind of composed in a way to, to have a twist at the end, but you're, you're expecting the twist and then you're, you're supposed to figure, figure it out. And then from this, I, I see there is always at least two ways forward. Right, you can either predict the twist and be happy, no, more than twist. You can either predict the twist, be and and then be happy about predicting it. You can predict the twist and then this is this and then become kind of dissatisfied because it's just like, oh, I I knew this would happen, or you can be uh, surprised by the twist because you wouldn't be able to figure it out and be happy about you know having the rug pulled pulled from under you, or you can be actually furious because you won't you wouldn't be figure, you wouldn't be able to figure it out. But you'll think that what what the what writer thought was stupid, and you'd have a bad idea, but better idea instead. So, I kind of predicted this almost mi- a mile in advance. But it's not that I'm dissatisfied where where the book goes, but I kind of have a feeling that the that the writer lost the plot along the way. And I'm just as you guys, I was disappointed in the last, I want to say, quarter of the of the book, which which basically where they leave the the farm. So they 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 finish the. Um, dinner with the parents and they go and stop over at Derry Queen and then they go to the school, which is where the, the book basically changes the narrative tone. It co- stops being straightforward and s- starts just dealing with this stream of consciousness, single word sentences. And uh, it's almost as though he wanted to be poetic in a way, but he couldn't, didn't quite know how, which kind of leads me to this sort of my initial impression of this thinking that this book was written by someone who hasn't written anything before, like I think he was a journalist before, but this this was his first sort of fiction attempt because it kind of l- looks like it's written by someone who doesn't quite know what they're doing, so that uh, like they're figuring out as they go along. And there's and my second sort of piece of uh, overall criticism, I don't know what you feel about this, but um, I, I was raised okay when I was younger. I was I, when I was reading lots and lots of fiction. I, I was kind of looking up to guys like Ernest Hemingway or Faulkner or like Steinbeck and people like this. So so the so early 20th century writers were sort of my my idols. And then these people were raised on the reading books. They knew how to verbalize imagery in a way that would engage your imagination, right? So they wouldn't just line up adjectives saying, oh, this, the room was dingy and, and smelly. They would give you something like a little phrase, say the character went down t- down down the stairs, and then you know the flickering light of the light bulb did something, and then already in your head you you have like with this one sentence in mind, you already have the image in in, in your head. There's this trigger that they use. This guy doesn't do that he, because I think he wasn't raised reading books; he was raised watching television. So the sort of translation between images and words is kind of different to me, and kind of looks like. Like I, I wasn't feeling as I was reading a book and engaging my imagination, I was feeling as though I was being told a story by someone in a pub, especially that it's written in like present tense. So I don't know how you guys felt about this.
1: I definitely agree with you on that. Like there were plenty of points as I was reading the book and the, the young woman was being very observational and just like describing her surroundings to the point where I was like reading and I just like wanted to like see skip a couple like paragraphs ahead because I get it I understand what the farmhouse looks like like I don't need to like know every single detail of, like the farmhouse and I don't understand why that was necessary and why that was like such a part of her character because like again I think like the whole point of books is for you to like fill in like the gaps and like because like the thing about books is like people can like interpret them and like see them in different ways and then the movie adaptation is just like happens to be the way like the director sees it but the way like I'm thinking of editing things is written it's very much this is like the way it is and this is what everything looks like and it got very very tiresome the more and more the young woman like kept doing that
2: I agree that that the writer I think he is definitely better at writing dialogue than he is writing the the visual cues and the like the descriptive sequences I think that he does a good job kind of establishing this ominous, very unsettling, unnerving tone throughout, because I did find the book to be quite creepy, just simply the way that it was written, but he does lack. And there were a couple times where I was, I was exhausted reading these like two paragraphs of describing how the room is, is brightly lit. And yeah. So I'm definitely, I definitely agree with you.
0: What I will also probably want to uh, draw attention to is the idea that okay, the the idea the author kind of just establishes the puzzle is kind of interesting to me. I mean, it's interesting initially, and then kind of goes off the rails because there's so many loose ends at the end that are kind of well, and so setups that are not being paid off. Which, I, which I think, uh, and I do agree with with, with basically all, all of your comments, and I think this kind of reinforces my statements before on the sort of imagery and words. Because if some the guy's kind of very good at conveying dialogue, because that's what that's all we do as as people, we speak, right? But then interpreting what we see and then writing this down is is a whole separate sort of like one level removed. And then whenever people were not speaking, were not engaged in dialogue he wanted to kind of establish these things. There's this shadowy figure that she sees in initially, right? And that kind of seems to stalk her, or there's this raspy voice she hears on the phone, and then she thinks it's hers. Or, or I mean, I actually thought this was, she was calling herself. Initially, I was thinking she was calling herself from the future or something like this. So that, that, but then I quickly kind of cured myself out of this when I noticed certain things about um, at the farm when when she picks up the photograph and she says she says it's her and then jake says oh no it's me and i kind of knew what's going on however well i have a massive problem with this book because like for the first half of it you can you can all, you can kind of cherish it even if i know where i have a good idea of no, of of where this is going you can kind of just look up to okay well look forward to these ideas of I want to see who the shadowy figure is. I want to know what the idea is with her calling herself at at, at all times. But it's not paid off. It kind of just gets forgotten by the end, which is fair enough, once you know what the the book is doing. But this is my question to you. Like, what do you think? Because I have a theory on this. Because there's this, structurally speaking, there are two overlapping things, right? So there's the story A, where you see um, the woman, I don't know why I keep calling her Lucy in my head
1: in the movie they like mentioned her name is Lucy at one point oh, and then at fine. another point they mention her name is like Louisa and like maybe Amy
0: okay so that's probably okay. it yeah it's probably, it's probably it because I can't it's just imprinted on me now that I just when I want to speak about it it's just like Lucy this Lucy that and okay but anyway there's these two overlapping bits of narrative so there's the and narrative a about them going to the farm and well, there's well, three because there is them going to the farm, and there is this sort of overlapping thing when when you realize that uh, none of this is real. But there's the third one, and when it's fully italicized, right, which which is kind of like uh, like a found footage sort of thing, where it is just like an extra comments on on something that happened in the future, and you you're, you're about to clue in because these two are going to kind of merge at some point, and you'll figure out what happened. And you, you'll know what they're talking about because there's these characters talking about this guy who did something, you don't know what it is. And then that, by the end, you realize, and I'm, my theory is that initially the, the draft didn't have that. All it was was just this sort of trip to the farm. It, I might be wrong, but I, but but hear me out. I, there was this trip to the farm and then this, this trip to the school and then went completely bonkers, symbolically mad. And then the book ended. Right, because the author wanted to um, maybe, maybe he wanted to kind of just leave things a little bit more open to interpretation. Um, and my theory is that he, his editor and publisher told them, We have no idea what's going on in here. This is stupid. We, you, you need to, you need to put something in there so that we, so, so that we know at the end what at least you, what you want this book to be. So you just may have written this this thing and inserted this as a piece of the puzzle because at the very end on the last page it actually spells it out what happens oh yeah there's this guy who was a janitor and he killed himself and then oh and then he left and he left a note and actually it's not a note it's a book and now that's the book you're holding and then and he written and, and he's written all of this so it's almost like he just wrote it as a as a, as a like a like a middle finger to the editor to me it's like here that's your explanation like there's no doubt now like you you you'll, you'll figure it out i don't i don't know where you stand on this it
2: 100% felt like studio interference this was my least favorite part of the book i did not like any any of the italicized pages i felt they were way too obvious way too on the nose and i really did not like the last two pages i i was i was enjoying the ending despite my my reservations with the last act I was enjoying it, but those last two pages actually kind of pissed me off because it did feel like, like dumbing it down for the audience when for the most part, you've been very respectful of kind of holding your hand a little bit, but still giving enough wiggle room. But those last two pages just throw that out the window.
1: Yeah, I agree with the whole like caller thing. Uh, when I first like cracked open like the book Spine, uh The collar was, like, the thing that freaked me out the most. I, like, started, like, the first couple of chapters, like, really late at night. And I am, like, a super, like, paranoid person. So, like, as soon as she started, like, talking about, like, a person, like, staring at her from her, like, bedroom window, I was, like, hell no. And I, like, closed it. And then from, like, that point on, I only read it, like, during the day as I was, like, on the bus to work. And as I kept, like, going, that whole thing with, like, the collar just, like, didn't go anywhere like, that's what it felt like to me, like, and I was, like, disappointed with that, because I had no idea what this book or, like, movie was about before I started reading it, so I thought she was just, like, being stalked by, like, a creepy dude, and so since I had that impression when I, like, first started the book, and it, like, just totally went off, like, the rails of that, I was just, like, well, this didn't go, like, anywhere that I expected, and I was, like, definitely, like, disappointed with it, then, like, afterwards, well, And the thing is with, like, how the book ends with, like, the janitor dying, I don't understand, like, where the caller, like, comes in with that. So I went to, like, read about the book after, and people were saying that maybe the caller was, like, the janitor, and, like, the janitor was, like, the creepy guy, like, staring at, like, this girl when she was, like, young and all these things. And so, like, since he had that experience, he's, like, created this, like, other, like, character from that little girl and like that's why the young woman exists and I was like well I guess and like the other thing that like bolsters that theory is when she's in the farmhouse and she sees like the childhood photo of Jake and it looks like her I don't know I just like it kind of makes sense but I also just like think it's stupid again and I didn't get it and I thought it was like a silly plot point with like where the book went
0: I mean that that's actually a very nice interesting point you are raising because I was just about to try and think about how we how how, how to talk about the story of this and then you've basically you now touched on the very important bit, bit of this. Because now with the colour in there, well that colour is basically a manifestation of this for me. That's a loose end because that's never sort of paid off, you know, in any way. It's so it's kind of left as a piece of symbolism that you're supposed to figure out and then you're real and then you're supposed to kind of think, oh, okay, well, is this is this the janitor himself? So is, is this real Jake calling to the woman? And so, But then you kind of have to come back to the original gimmick of the book, which I, I think that was basically the, the, the biggest selling point. That was, his, that was the elevated pitch for the book for the publisher was, how about I write a book that takes place completely in someone's head, but it's written from the perspective of someone's projection. So not from the real person's perspective, because the Jake is usually, you. You suppose it's the Jake in the car. It's the Jake on the farm, right? That's the sort of that would be the projection of him, right? Because the real Jake is the janitor, and the, I suppose that's the caller, right? Or who who keeps calling her as though to remind her of, oh, what, what she what she what, what she's supposed to be doing. But then again, okay, well if she's a projection, then what is she? And then my theory then comes back to uh, the title, which. I actually kind of, feel, we'll talk about it a little bit later when we kind of transition towards the film adaptation, but I think the title is kind of crucial in this because it kind of, I think it's a smart setup and I actually like it for it, but it kind of pissed me off at the end that it didn't really pay off in, in uh, on this too much because the book's title I'm thinking of ending things, right? And that sentence can be interpreted in a number of ways, right? And you're initially led by the author in what in what it turns out to be a piece of misdirection because the woman talks about think uh, thinking of ending her relationship with Jake and you think okay these are real people so what she thinks about is ending a romantic relationship whereas you don't really realize that the this refers to a suicidal thought so to me then she isn't well she is she takes because then it, it is explained at the end that her image or her Persona is basically a, um, a anthropomorphized regret because he met this woman in a bar, but he never picked her. Well, he never talked to her, so he never got her number. And then it was the one. Well, I won't say the one that got away, but the one he never had. So it was this the, his life's biggest regret, apart from like dropping out of uni or whatever. But she then is not not, not really a projection to me. She is a suicidal thought. So she is. So if Jake is Jake in the car and on the farm and his parents are basically his dead parents and apparently it turns out that they died a long time ago. So this is where it kind of goes off the rails because if they were just his parents, then you could th- think to yourself that he has had this, these suicidal thoughts that kind of creep up on him like this. And now he just, he's trying to save himself. So he's trying to, well, or, or, but then again, since his parents are dead, we can actually make sense now. To me his parents are dead so what he's doing he's re he's introducing his suicidal tendencies to his dead parents as though he's making peace with the decision he's gonna die and to me okay well on paper this is a this is a good idea this is this is this is a great setup to me for a for a narrative but it just gets undermined by the sort of three pages of, of what are you waiting for exclamation mark right like at the end where it just goes into, I don't know, stream of consciousness, whatever. So I, w- I would have been much happier if this was resolved through a, I don't want to say classical narrative, but something that you can actually follow. So I'd I'd, I'd like to kind of just get your opinion on where, where what what do you think this is? Because like that's sort of my take on okay. Well, that the, the woman is not really a projection; she's a suicidal thought. And then this this whole book is basically this guy trying to explain to himself. That he needs to k- kill himself.
1: That's what I grasp from it too. Like you're right that the line I'm thinking of ending things can like relate to so many different things. And like to me, it felt like he was trying to like justify to himself that it's okay to like for him to commit suicide. Because I've never felt that way, but I'm sure it's a very like difficult difficult decision to like come to terms to like. So many people, like, make, like, attempts before they actually, like, fully go through with killing themselves. So, to, to me, it felt like he was trying to justify his, like, future actions to himself. And especially with the italicized pages that we, like, discussed earlier of, like, seeing the, like, dead body. It felt like those were, like, foreshadowing, showing that he actually, like, does go through with that decision.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. That's what I grasped from it as well, especially the, there's several moments throughout where she'll be talking about ending things, how she's going to break it off, how it shouldn't have been going this long. And then something will happen and Jake will smile or laugh or do something, you know, kind. And then she'll start to reconsider it. Maybe I don't want to end things. And that's definitely kind of what sold it for me She's like maybe maybe I don't have to go through with it maybe I don't have to do this every time that little spark of happiness happens and then it kind of flitter fritters away as um as some of the events of the book happen.
0: See, th- this is what actually interests me in a way. Like on a okay, well, on a humanist level, right? Because I I kind of like the idea of exploring the sort of extremes of human condition. I, I love when when people write or make films or kind of just make art based on their own experiences and i think this is so i think he he grew up on a farm he so the, the farmhouse this the high school is all kind of similar to him like okay it's familiar to him so I, I i'd say is this him processing some some shit here is this is this the way he he decide, or or is, or is this cynical sort of thing because if if it's the latter then yeah, it, it kind of explains a, a lot of the stereotypes that that are kind of in there, but and but it's the former, then I can I, I can excuse the stereotypes and, and and excuse certain sort of things that he's done wrong because he just well that's his first book, so that's it's fine enough. But it's it's a, it's an interesting sort of thought to me to to think that okay, is is this. If the, if the, is this book important to him? Is he processing some grief? Is he processing regret? Is is does he have? Has he gone through things like this that he had suicidal thoughts? Because I suppose this is how how they kind of just they, they don't just show up show up at your doorstep on one like you don't wake up one day thinking I'm gonna kill kill myself today like that, like no one no one does this right like people this is something that kind of creeps up on you and then once it starts creeping up on you like you. It probably won't stop until you until you somehow address it, or seek help, or go through with it, right? Or have an, an unsuccessful attempt that kind of just you know just changes your perspective on, on on this. So it's 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 in a way that's I think he's he's doing a good job in, in in this department at least to me that these thoughts of him taking his own life are kind of just peppered in as in, okay, well, something happens, and then the woman will just, just casually remind you that, oh, by the way, I'm, I, I don't want to live in anymore. I, I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, and then Jake will smile or do whatever, as you said, right. And then, and then things will just, the clouds will dissipate. And so it, it kinda of looks like it's it's coming from the right place, but at the same time this is kind of a fault of the book to me, because it's written in in, in a way where it actually has to rely not on dialogue itself, but it has to rely on these sort of processing of thoughts and processing of descriptive sort of writing, which is absolutely abysmal sometimes. To me. So, But, but now I, I think I don't. I don't know what you think, but this w- this would be a, probably a good point to sort of trans- transition, but say see how this concept now translated into the film. What do you think? If, so if the, if, the, if we have an I think agreement on okay, this is what the book's about. This is a book about about a guy who's imagining his a love that was that never was. He uh, he pines over his love interest that. He, uh, he probably never even met her really. So it, she was basically all completely imaginary. So he's he's regretting a whole host of things in his life because he gr- dropped out of school and dropped out of... You know, so he, And he basically was invisible because it's, I think it's important that he's a janitor, right? And it, it's, it's explicitly stated in the book that they're, when they're in school and the woman still want to call her Lucy, she says, oh, well, the school, the, the classrooms are, are so clean and then, you know, we'll make an absolute mess during the day when we're, when we're in school as students. And the next day, not, like it never happened because there's this dude who works after we leave and he's effectively invisible. And even if he is there among the students during school hours, you won't even notice him because he's just, he walks in the shadows almost, right? He walks in your blind spot. I, I suppose this could cause depressive states, and this is probably what the what the book's about. This like just being sick and tired of being invisible to the entire world. So now, the question now I would like to pose to you is: How do you think this central concept of the book, which I think we have an agreement on, uh, translated into what Charlie Kaufman wanted to do with the adaptation of it?
1: There's just one thing I wanted to add before we like switch to the film. So I didn't think about this as I was reading it or watching the film, but as we're discussing, um, it makes sense that the high school can be seen as like a manifestation of like Jake's trauma because I don't remember if that the high school that they go to was the one that he went to, or is it just similar, but it's still like a high school. And a lot of the time, like, suicide is like really prevalent among high school students because teenagers have like such a hard time coping with like growing up and their emotions and the bullying and just like the list goes on and if Jake had a very traumatic time in high school with like bully or whatever it happened to be and he becomes a janitor at that same high school or even just a high school in general it, like, still reflects on that, like, terrible time period in his life, He's he'd be, like, reliving that trauma every single night he goes to work and cleans the school. So that's, like, a really interesting thing to think about if that's what the author's intentions were with, like, Jake becoming a janitor at a high school.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I never thought about that. Switching gears a little bit to the, to the movie, I, what I love about the movie as an adaptation is that it uses the same general broad plot beats to tell a story with very different themes in a very different way. It's a lot more abstract. It's a lot more existential. It's not as much of a thriller as the back half of of the book becomes. It's a lot more about memory and and how it can kind of distort with time. And the book touches on some of this a little bit, but not nearly to the extent that Charlie Kaufman goes. He goes full existential dread with, with the film. And, and I really appreciate that, that he doesn't just work copy the book page for page, word for word. He does his own thing with the source material while still staying respectful of it?
1: So I just watched the movie, like, literally just before we started recording, so it's very, very fresh in my mind. And as I was watching it, the thing that kept crossing my mind was, I wish I hadn't read the book. Or I wish I hadn't, like, read the book so close to watching the movie. Because, yes, like, Charlie Hoffman, like, he changes, like, enough to make it different. But then there's still so much of it that is like very, very similar that I was like, well, I just read this. Like, why do I want to watch this movie? Like, there's even like lines of dialogue that from what I remember in my brain are like the exact same thing from the book. And it just like, it felt like very like repetitive and derivative for me. But that's that's mostly just because I like wa- read the book and watched the movie like so close together. for like the movie itself, I liked it a lot less than the book and even that I didn't even like the book that much. Uh, For me, I was enjoying it up until like about halfway through the farmhouse scene and then like as soon as they leave the farmhouse, I was just like, "Um, I I don't really care anymore.
0: Before I actually go go completely nuts, because I have a feeling that Kyle's, you're going to be kind of alone in here, in the camp of praise, but... (laughs) So I don't, I don't want to kind of spend too much time on this. But what I will say is, like in, gen, in general impressions, I think the f- the film as an adaptation, it basically lives and dies on its performances to me. All things considered, everything else aside, Jesse Plemons, Jesse Buckley, Tani Collette and David Doolis kind of are at the, at the core of this. And whenever they're all together in a room, the film is at, at its best, which is basically five minutes around the table. And then it kind of goes into these Michelle Gondry sort of, projections and just when people start aging differently and whatever what is the most interesting thing about how how the film treats this to me is where where these changes are made as in where where Kaufman looked at the book and said I'm 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 going to change this this is I have a better idea for this and for the most part he's actually changing things that are shit in the book as in the entire ending he just took out (laughs) and then and then just put something else in However, in in doing so, and and also he just, okay, so there's a, a lot of loose threads in here, like the caller and the, she calls herself once or twice in the, in, in the film and it's almost not paid attention to it, which is a big part of the first half of the book, the figuring out of why is she getting calls for, from herself? Who is this Who's this person calling her? What's going on? There's this mystery in here, which is completely disposed of in the film, right? Like there's, it doesn't matter who, who calls her. It's just an afterthought and in, in 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 effect it's kind of a device to kind of let you in on a se- on a secret in air quotes that this is all in someone's head because kaufman doesn't really hide this like there's these details like the scratches on the door change placings um when tony leaves the room and then comes back in she's wearing slightly different clothes and then sometimes they'll, they'll just have great. Well, they, they got, There are different stages of their lives. It, you immediately realize that this is this, like at least at the very least you can figure out this is a dream. Like, I'm not supposed to take anything seriously in 30 minutes. And like all her breaks, looks like people are on like deaf beds and in hospital beds in the in the living room. So you you know this is not real. But he makes a strategic decision of taking the entire ending of the stream of consciousness Halloween sort of slasher sort of chase in a school and replaces it with this amalgamation of pop cultural references from like you know, beautiful mind and uh oklahoma and my fair lady and as though to kind of just re- make you okay comfort you in the idea that like we're what we are is a some of our sort of experiences and some of our um our the things that we consume so uh, naturally if you, if you watch films then you like these things will kind of keep recurring in your dreams as well so, so because your brain cannot just make shit up it will it will conjure the end the world around you in your dreams mm-hmm. out of things that you've seen like that's why you like it's very like you like when you, when when you wake up from a dream you'll probably never remember that seeing yourself in a mirror in a dream because it's very difficult for your brain to, to figure this out or like you'll never see a phone screen because it's 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 just weird but but in the process i think that Kaufman kind of just loses the point of the book because it's almost like the film ends and you it's like, did, did the guy kill himself or did he have a heart attack or did, whatever? Like, I remember when, on on the actual episode when you were talking about the film and you were actually discussing this. Like, I think none of none none of the uh, hosts clued into the fact that someone's killing themselves in in the film, right? Even though the the, the title kind of suggests this, right? Like it's all kind of almost forgotten because. Kaufman to me was too busy making these sweeping visual statements that are meant to be highly symbolic and he kind of forgot that oh yeah the the book was supposed to have a point and he just took, took it out.
1: I thought out of all the things that Kaufman decided to change that he didn't like get rid of the collar thing because like the book it doesn't really go anywhere in the movie as well and there's the first time it gets introduced it's right after um the young woman and jake are talking about some poet and they're like oh this poet wrote a bunch of poems for his like love lucy and then jake is like oh just like you so like okay the girl is named lucy and then immediately she like gets a phone call and then we see it's lucy calling and i was like i understand that this is like oh, snooty, pretentious movie, but how stupid do you think I am? Like, you couldn't, like, wait a bit to, like, see that the phone call was from Lucy. You had to, like, put it, like, right together just so I would, like, really, really get it. I felt insulted, and I didn't like that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I got, I definitely got the sense that he was killing himself at the end of that car scene. I guess I didn't uh, state it on the podcast, but I did get that sense, although I, I do see how it could be, kind of confusing as it also seems like he's having a heart attack or, or stroke or something in the car. But yeah, I, I like all the changes that he made and I, I like that it all contributes to his theme and kind of how this janitor has Alzheimer's or dementia and he's kind of everything from his life is kind of twisting and bending and, and all kind of intertwining so people will change the the young woman in the film her name will change her clothes will change her profession will change it it just kind of it it's him tackling memory and only the way that Charlie Kaufman would and that's why I love that ending the love the pop culture references that were important to Jake throughout his life the Oklahoma number it just it all worked for me.
0: See, I don't see the, the dimension thing actually. To to, to me, the uh, sort of the, the bending, sort of the, the sort of okay, well, reality bending things and things kind of swapping in and out, like David Tooley is kind of just walking in uh, an old man and walking out a young man. These are sort of part of the deal to me. This is a part of the the shtick of presenting the world who, that that's a dream. So it's, think about, okay, if you haven't seen Being John Markovich or. Um, eternal assumption of the spotless mind that's basically what he's what he's always done in, in that's the, that's his toolbox that's what he's always dealing with so he's he's what he's doing in here to me is basically just taking the puzzle of the book and removing it and then what he's he he basically as you Alina said like okay well he, he's kind of patronizing you in a way he's saying look I want you to get this now because well it, it makes you feel a little bit stupid if you if 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 you don't. But then it, it kind of makes you feel condescended, when, when, but because I I know I know what you're doing, okay. You don't have to beat it over beat me over the head with this. But what I think he, why why I think he's doing this, why I think he's made these changes, is because okay, well, what he wanted to do is wanted you to figure. out Okay, I know we we want we're supposed to figure out that this is happening in someone's head very early on. So this is why you have these sort of spliced in elements of this janitor walking down hallways, which doesn't doesn't happen in the book, right? Like, it's just, it's not there. Like It's actually in the last page of or in, okay, when well the last bit of the book when it happens in the high school, you kind of just start cluing into this. But this, this is meant to, to make you realize that, okay, we are, we need to be on the same page. We're, all of you, viewers, you need to figure out that this is a this is a dream. This is someone's projection. This is not a real world. Well, because what 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 I'm interested in, I'm I'm, I'm, Char- oh, I'm Charlie Kaufman here. So what I'm interested in is is telling you my way of seeing the world in a dream. So so seeing yourself or seeing the people you've met. So so the woman, I think the first time you see Jesse Buckley on the on the screen is when she's on a street. I think that's one of the sort of thumbnails, sort of uh, screenshots and everyone in trailers where she's looking up at a window. And this is pretty much what they what it caught eye on eye contact and it just imprinted on her in a way. But he, she changes appearance because she's an amalgamation of all the women she, he's met. He, she's basically a regret and a suicidal tendency personified. And as opposed to the book, which I think the book is um, his way of explaining to the world why he's killing himself, the film is not interested in the why, it's interested in the how. So you'll see that to the most important scene in the film, and actually well, I clued into this immediately, but that's before because I read the book. Was when the um, when they go into the okay, they have their ice cream, and in the, in the film it's, it's in, interesting. It's under, it's a change from the book, but then they go to the car park in front of the school to throw the ice cream away, and then he or they gets out. And he looks at the bin. He, can't, he, he decides not to put in the bin. just disappears. So Jesse Buckley goes after him. And she, and she finds okay, well, the bin's not for, I think it's like for salt or whatever. Um, but she goes around the back. And then she climbs the stairs. And there's a massive dumpster in the back. And there's like a shit ton of these ice creams in there. To me, this was like, okay, I, I know what this is for. Because I, I figured out from the book that this is a suicidal sort of tendency analysis. To me, this signifies this is not the first time he's having this conversation with himself. He's done this a number of times, and he convinced himself it wasn't a good idea to kill himself. And this is basically... This is basically what, if I were to like this film, this would, be on the, this would be solely on the basis of the dumpster being there full of ice cream, because he makes the most important change to the narrative, as in he makes this a tragedy, because this is... This is not the first time he's doing this. He's done it a million times. And he's, every single time he's coming back to him because these thoughts creeping, are creeping up on you every day, and you have this conversation again, and it ends a little bit differently, but ends in a happy ending, right? But this time it doesn't, because this time he's, well, he's deciding to go through with it. But then again in the film, it's it's left ambiguous which i think it's an absolute ri- ridiculous move to me that this he should have been stopped from 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 doing this by a producer or someone else but I, i'm pretty sure like whoever he was surrounded with they had no idea what he was doing because they couldn't clue into what 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 this whole thing was about
2: yeah i agree with some of that i i really love the detail of the ice cream outside i do agree that he should not have left it ambiguous that's one of my problems with the film those last uh couple seconds where you hear the car start again was very very dumb and i did not like it at all but i'm, I'm surprised that you didn't think uh or consider dementia at all because that's that's immediately where what my mind went because they set up that the dad was struggling with it in his old age when he comes into uh, the childhood bedroom, and I just kind of assumed a hereditary thing where the dementia was passed on on to the son, to the janitor, and kind of this was his his dying thoughts all swirling together, all his in his you know ailing mind.
0: But but then it doesn't make sense, does it? Like because okay, if that's if that's what it is. Uh, let's okay, let's assume this this is what it is, right? Okay. Well, he's he's this is a her- hereditary condition that he's um, inherited. Which to me, okay, well, okay, it's a far fetched assumption to me, but because like majority, like if when you're seventy five, ninety five percent chances you're gonna have problems remembering shit. Like that's that's how life. Is. You don't have to have dementia or Alzheimer's. Like our brains just get old, Then, you know synaptic connections just disappear if you don't solve sudakus every day right so so that's just part of the deal so um i I didn't clue into the dementia thing from there although you could say yeah potentially it's there in in, as you said the connection is definitely kind of can be found now so if if that's the case what's the point of the film so is this so why is why why is the film title i'm thinking of ending things why is this whole thing kind of just just why, why are these suicidal sort of themes swirling in there if he's just dying of dementia. What, that, it makes no sense to me. This is where I kind of think okay, he made an interesting change to the ending, but he, but he kind of shut the bed, shut, shut the bed at the, at the very last sort of hurdle. Because at least it would have been more consistent to me, if at least that part of the original text was kind of retained in a way, because it doesn't gel, you know, if, if that makes any sense, because if 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 that's all there is that he's just reliving through these sort of going through in and out these parallel universes of what could have been and what happened and what didn't happen, then why obsess over things that clearly are designed to look at, uh, look like dealing with regret and re- dealing with grief and dealing with lack of self-actualization as a human being and then dealing with the, with this in a tragic way. Because it's it's there at all times, so why 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 have this twist of oh by the way he just dies, and that's what that's what happens because he's just old and then his brain not functioning properly. That to me this is this cheapens the ex- uh, experience. To me this would have been much better if it was m- less ambiguously uh, stated that okay it yeah the the guy's actually sitting in his car thinking about slitting his wrists. It would have been I mean simpler cleaner and easier to understand. I know this probably would disappoint people who want to get 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 out of this and say, oh, I'm confused. I, don't, I have no idea what happened. I need to go on the internet and look up, look up stuff. Like, to me, this is a failure if, if I have to do this. If I can't figure this out on my own, and it's difficult to figure it out on, on your own because he, he Kaufman looks like he's changing his mind. Does it make sense?
1: I think that does make sense. Like I think if I hadn't like read the book, Like, even though there is changes, I don't think I would have, like, understood the movie. Movies like this are not really my thing anyway. I don't really enjoy, like, pretentious open-ended movies where, like, I have to, like... Like, same thing when we talked about, like, She Dies Tomorrow on, like, the original podcast. Like, I had, like, such a hard time with that because I was like, this just makes me feel stupid. So if I hadn't read the book, I think I would have felt the same way about the movie just because it is so ambiguous and I didn't like think that it was a dementia thing at all. Uh, I think it was like suicide, like still came across, but again, like I think if I hadn't read the book, I would have been one of those people like Googling, like what happened? I don't understand what happened in this movie. I feel silly.
2: Yeah. I'm because I'm in the interesting position where I watched the movie before reading the book i can't say i understood all of the movie i i understood the the basic structure i understood what it was going for but i i missed some of the the smaller details but i still i still got the gist of of everything and yeah i just i don't know i i think that it can be all of the above i think it can be dementia and suicidal and because memory isn't that binary where you can only be suffering from, from one thing, just dementia or just suicidal thoughts or just you know, regret. I think, I think can all be present.
0: No one says you can't have dementia and want to kill yourself, <laughs> but it probably in, in all like, likelihood, if you had your more lucid, lucid moments, you'd probably clue into the fact that you're, you're losing your wits and you probably will want to off yourself anyway. So, and, and that's, that's actually not uncommon because it's it's a tra- it's a tragic sort of thing it, to me this is actually the scariest thing in the world if i am about to make a confession in here like the idea of dying inside your head as in the world around you has no clue how to help you because you don't you don't know we don't know how to deal with these diseases but what you are is a brain stuck in a meat puppet and if 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 that brain dies you die and then all 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 you are is basically a bunch of thoughts trapped and then you can't communicate with the outside world and and people just assume you're in a coma or whatever you just or you just not 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 you know your wits are you don't have your wits about you whereas you just lost the ability to communicate with the you know with, with the big m- mechanical muscle skeleton mus- muscular skeleton sort of robot that you that you're supposed to be piloting that's that's a scariest sort of thing to, to go in my mind, and if, but the problem is that it it just wants to have its cake and eat it too in a way because it wants to be tragic, but it wants to be it wants to be this, it wants to be that, it wants to be all of it, and then all uh, it it and it wants to be layered with, with 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 all that symbolism, which is fine. I, I to to Alina's point, I I actually okay, I can get out of a film or get out of a book, and and I could not understand it and then just sit with it and figure it out or maybe trying to understand or get something out of this if i even if i'm not if i'm not supposed to understand at all like some of like david lynch films you're not supposed to understand most of it you're supposed to project what you want to to project on them and it's fine but this one is different both the book and the film have an interpretation that's kind of core to it and then there's they like Kaufman went on television and he or no hold on he went and spoke to IndieWire and then he's and, and he had to explain what this means which is fine to me if you if there is a meaning behind something that you're that I'm supposed to figure out but if, if there is one you might as well make okay well it's it's fine if you obscure it and if you then reveal it in the final twist and then you you recontextualize the entire thing and i have to sit down and or maybe watch it again and with, with sort of knowledge of how to decipher things that's fine as long as it's interesting but then again i've i've figured this out and i'm thinking well that's just great okay what am I supposed to do with that? It didn't inspire me to do it both neither the book or nor the film. They didn't inspire me in any way. does, does this make any sense? Because it's just, it's just washed over me at the end. I was just thinking, okay, well he killed himself in the book. That's great. What am I supposed to do with this now? I could, you know,
2: I do see where you're coming from. I do see how both the book and the movie won't work for everyone. I guess, the movie works for me it just comes down to how it made me feel it kind of it was an experience for me it gripped me in a way that it it won't for everyone so i i I understand yeah that it doesn't leave you with much especially the book i i do kind of agree with the book not leaving you with with much afterwards the movie did but it mostly left me with a feeling and i can't really explain it beyond that it's a it's
0: a valid point that you know like a film leaves you with a feeling or leaves you with, and actually that and to me this is the most important thing that kind of just makes me not hate the film and makes me possibly want to revisit it in the future i'm not sure i'm going to extend the same courtesy to the book although I, I, what am i talking about like i very rarely reread the books that i that i've read like the books aren't like one-time experiences for me but the idea is to me that okay well, the, the film kind of just Apart from its performances, it kind of just wants to be a little bit more abstract or impressionistic in a way, and that and that that's a good thing. But then, but then again, Ka- Kaufman, this is not the first time he's done this. He's done this, like all of his written work is basically assembled this way. And his directorial work, from ones I've seen, because I haven't seen Synecdoche in New York, I've seen *Anomalies*, and *Anomalies* is basically dealing with a similar sort of thing. So it's okay for me that. that filmmakers gravitating to the same sort of obsessions and demons, because everyone does that. Everyone, every single filmmaker essentially makes the same film all over again, because that's, they have their own obsessions by which they're driven. And that's fine. That's that's part of the experience. But there's always something new you're looking forward to, some new imagery, some new thoughts, some new themes, some new ideas, anything, treatment, like any growth that you experience, because, you know, it could be attracted to the same sort of idea of, I don't know, exploring depressive states in this sort of abstract dreamlike nebulous way. But then as these films, films progress, as the guy kind of gets older as a filmmaker and, and, and then understands more things about life, you can see there's progress in, in, in or there's change in how he sees the world. And that's, interesting to me but now it kind of looks like it's plateaued in a way and it's just like okay well as a as an adaptation it's an interesting adaptation but as a charlie kaufman film i'm disappointed in a way that it's um it's not okay i've seen all this before he's not done done anything too new with with what he had and um in fact he actually almost (laughs) because when i was writing my review for clapper on this and on because I've never written more than two and a half thousand words on stuff I don't like. And that was probably the first time. But but to, to me, this kind of looked like the book was kind of inspired by Charlie Kaufman's writing in the first place. So it's like a circularly referential sort of thing, because it's kind of like Ian Reed was looking up to Charlie Kaufman, among other, among other people, because it's probably raised on cinema as well. And then Kaufman picked it up because he was interesting. He was drawn to this because it was kind of in his wheelhouse already and he just made it even more circularly referential. So it's almost like a greatest hits album to me, which is weird. And it's fine if, it, I'm not going to tell you you're stupid for liking it, <laughs> but, but it's fine if you like it. But it, 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 to, to me, as someone who's known his work for a longer while, it looks like it's, it's underwhelming to me and in a, in a tragic way. Because you'd think that this guy was on a rise, and mm-hmm. uh, it turns out he's kind of reflexively retracting into his comfort zone, and that's not good.
1: I'm I'm different than Yaka because I've the only other like Charlie Kaufman movie that I've seen is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's the only one I haven't seen. Uh, being John Malkovich or An- Anomalisa or any of the others. So for me, I can't really like compare it like against other, his other films because I don't really like know them because I've only watched one so I don't like have a proper grasp on him as director but they if I didn't like hear such good things about his earlier films this movie would make me like want to not bother watching all the other ones and like I still will because you guys are saying that like ben John Malkovich and all those are like excellent films so I still will but if I didn't have you guys in my ears like twittering saying like his, his earlier movies are great. I feel like based on this I'd be like ugh, I, he's not somebody I'm interested in.
0: Since, we're, since you've now just said that oh you're not, we are, you're not sure if you're interested in Charlie Kaufman as a filmmaker, are you interested in Ian Reid as an author?
1: Not really, honestly, like it, it's not that he's a bad writer. Uh, like i did enjoy it it's mostly just because i don't like fiction so if another book of his came out i probably wouldn't read it unless i was like forced to for an episode of like film book club
0: <laughs> Kyle
1: um i'm
2: curious but i'm not i'm not rushing to read another one of his novels although i i mean that's just kind of because i do not read a lot but but he he is a good writer i'd say he's a good writer but he doesn't immediately, uh, tickle my fancy in regards to seeking out his other, uh, his other books.
0: Well, I want to say I'm in a similar camp with this, right? But that kind of comes to my original statements from way back in the day when we started recording this podcast, right? (laughs) Where where it's just, and it annoys me in modern authors where they can't describe shit without lining up adjectives. It's just, it drives me up the wall. That's why I kinda like I'm kinda like Alina in this way. Like I I like reading nonfiction because it's it's just more more engaging when you're reading about stuff that actually happened, written by people who are excited about the about the concept. That I don't know. Ian Reed is just one of those sort of authors that's kind of like post Stephen King, as in he's just one of those guys who just knows dialogue. He has a gimmick. And I'm pretty sure if I wanted to pick up another book of his, it would probably the first thing I would be probably thinking was like, what's the gimmick this time? Okay. Where's the, where's the trick? Why are you, what are you doing? Because he kind of just pigeonholed himself to me in a way that he's just this guy who just writes these, he wants to write books that will just look clever to you and sell themselves on this clever idea. And then it doesn't really matter if, it, if the ending kind of just falls apart almost as you, as you read it. And it's just, Painful because you just think to yourself, I spent hours reading this, and this is how it ends. Just screw you, Ian. This is not <laughs> so so. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not sure I'm going to pick pick up another one of his books anytime soon. But this brings me to the final question. So let's 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 finish this whole thing by um, uh, going around the table and then saying our piece on whether, whether we think the book or the film tells its story better, and which one do we prefer. Alina?
1: I think it would maybe depend on whichever one you happen to read or watch first because like Kyle is saying that he likes, seems to like the movie better but he also watched it first and then we like the book slightly better and we happen to read the book first so maybe that's it but for me I like the book better I thought the plot lines like worked better and like were more connected and even though some like dropped off I still think like the book like contains itself very very well and I did enjoy reading it even the and even though I didn't really like the last act act as much I still really enjoyed it especially for like somebody who doesn't like read fiction I thought it was like good overall I just have a lot of criticisms of the book It could definitely
2: come down to which one you read or watch first giving you expectations for the other but yeah, I, I prefer the movie. I enjoy the book. I like it. It kind of lost me when it started to over-explain things. And I just, I appreciate that the film has an interpretability to it. Uh, a, there's, you can kind of uh, fit it into several different interpretations. It leaves itself more ambiguous. And not to mention, I love the acting. I love the cinematography. I love, you know, the set design. I, I think it's a fantastic film.
0: I think that yeah, there's there's definitely a good logic behind this idea of uh, whichever you, you you come across first, this the one you this is the one you probably like you will end up liking better, Spe- specifically because of what the most important thing about both of them are is which is the idea of figuring out what the hell's happening. the the second the second one you will watch or read will be already pre-informed, and I suppose this is but you if you're tr- if, I'm tried, if I tried to um, disconnect all of this, I think this is where I kind of fall into the book camp as opposed to the film camp because warts and all, stupid ending and then the fact that he doesn't know how to write descriptive uh, bits of, uh, of, of of prose, I wasn't bored by the th- by the book, whereas I was bored by the film and that's to me this is, this is where I kind of just stand. Because I was intrigued even by even though these loose threads pissed me off in the end, I was kind of intrigued by the sort of ominous puzzle and then these things that were just happening to the woman in, in trying to figure this out. This actually kept me going along, whereas the film treated this almost as if as, as if it was unnecessary. And I think that was a mistake. So I think I'm I'm with you, Alina, on the on the on the on the book camp here, which brings us to an end. Of this inaugural episode of Clappercast Film Book Club. So, where can we find everyone on social media? Alina?
1: I'm Alina Falds on Twitter and Letterboxd.
0: And Kyle? You can find me
2: on Twitter and Letterboxd at Kyle Craigbaum. That's K R I E G H B A U M.
0: And I'm Jakub Flash, and you can find me at Talk About Film on Twitter and then at, on Letterboxd as, as Ravik, or just if you just search my name, Jakub Flash and you can also find the latest releases of film and television reviewed at www.clapperltd.co.uk and find our social links on clapper at facebook and at clapper Ltd on twitter and on letterbox make sure to rate subscribe or follow us to be notified when the next episode comes out thank you all for listening And check back next month when we will be taking a closer look at Ruman Alam's Leave This World Behind, a hot-off-the-press dystopian deconstruction of societal anxieties, race and class. It is currently being adapted into a Netflix original film by Sam Esmail of Mr. Robot fame, starring Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington. So join us to hear us discuss the, the novel and scratch our heads as to how it will translate into the language of cinema. And as always, make sure to listen to the regular episodes of Clappercast as well. Goodbye.
2: To celebrate our one-year anniversary over at Clapper, we have commissioned over a dozen horror clothing designs ranging from Midsummer, Hereditary, Get Out, Raw, and classic characters, new and old, that can be found on Bonfire. You can find the link in the description below. Thank you for listening.